Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magma Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. We are marching our way through succession. This episode, we are going to review season two, episode six, titled Argosties. Spencer, what did you think of the episode? I thought it was a very solid episode, both in the ways that A, fulfilled my predictions, kudos to me, and B, surprised <laughs> the ever-loving shit out of me. I, it, I'm continually impressed by the degree this show is willing to build up something for like four or five episodes as this is where we're going, this is where we're going, and then in a single episode, just have it all utterly collapse. Yeah, they will burn it all down. Um, and they did so this episode. This was a, a real destructive episode. And it, uh, you know, when I watched it the first time, I thought, well, what, what, there's four more episodes? Like, what could they possibly deal with in the rest of the season? Um, other than the cruise scandal, right? Yeah, I mean, this episode seemed like, it's like that situation of when you're ever driving a car and suddenly you've started to lose control of it. And there's brief moments where you think you're able to get it back in line, but you're never certain where it's going to end. And that was just the entirety of these episodes, just seeing, can they find a way to get this thing straight again? And by the end, nope, completely off the track. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we will go into our normal recap, which I will lead. We will go to our segments, which are Roman line of the episode, Roy of the episode, and Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. What the hell are we going to do for Roy of the episode on this one? I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people taking L's. A lot of L's being taken <laughs> this, this episode. Yeah. Who lost by the least? Let's do, we'll do that. Seriously. Okay, let's jump into the recap. Uh, the family starts on a plane, um, and apparently they are having trouble landing because there's like 400 private planes or something trying to get into a small airport. This reminds me of, I don't know if you saw the news stories at the time, Spencer, uh, when the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight actually happened. Mm -hmm. That like legit billionaires couldn't get into the Las Vegas airport. <laughs> oh, it was that dears. bad. I know. I felt so bad for him. I'm sure Elizabeth Warren was somewhere crying. <laughs> She feels. She bleeds for them. <laughs> um, and through the discussion, we figure out that apparently the Pierces are dragging their feet on closing the deal. Um, they, they've asked for a number of things. And at one point, Logan, completely out of character here, says, well, why don't we just give them what they want? And Is Roman it? points out immediately, <laughs> we give them what they want? Excuse me, Dad. I think you've had another stroke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even I was just flabbergasted when I heard that. It's like... That is the single most out-of-character thing he's ever said. And this is a man who grabbed Siobhan's hand and put it on his crotch. This, that's something... <laughs> that's something Thank you for reminding us of that, Spencer. I'm here for it. That's something <laughs> Logan Roy does not do. So, yeah, that caught me off guard. I mean, it also caught me off guard, and I think you fairly called me out on this before the, before the uh, episode. I was assuming the deal was done. I was assuming yep. that, you know, the attorneys and stuff will have everything signed off-screen, and when we're seeing them raise their glasses, it's already happened. No! God, no. There's a lot of steps that's left to this. Letter of intent's not even been signed. We are on a handshake. Yeah, at the end of last episode, you were kind of like, well, I don't know where we go because, yeah. you know, Logan closed the deal. It's over. And I couldn't point out to you at the time that it wasn't actually signed. Because if I did that, it would just tip the hand of what this yeah. episode was going to be. And I appreciate it, but it, that's a, it's a very fair point the show has pointed out. That though they've essentially agreed to terms and being... There's nothing binding yet, and we see the dangers of that going forth in this episode. Absolutely. Logan tells Kendall he needs the deal done now. And Logan looks really stressed out here in a way he that does. we haven't really seen all season. Because it's been a really strong Logan season. I don't know how many times Logan has won Roy of the episode, but it's definitely the, the majority. At least four, I think, at this point, probably. Yeah, um, but he's stressed out, and Kendall senses that. He goes into the back where there's a handful of lawyers, and he just reams them. 
Mm. He just starts screaming and yelling at him. And I think a lot of that is theater. I think he was, you notice he was banging the door that connected the rooms to where his dad was. I think he just wanted to hear his dad, you know, uh, wanted his dad to hear him raising hell. Yeah, I think I think he, Kendall's honestly a little bit concerned about his dad. I think everyone in that room is. And so, like you said, he's doing this to kind of lift his spirits. That I've got somebody on my side. He's the one that's trying to force these people to get this done. And I, think he, I think he rightfully feels his dad kind of needs to hear that somebody's fighting for him right now. Absolutely. Um, at the end of Kendall's rant, he smacks the... <laughs> I think there's like a, a bag of chips or cookies or something. He says no he doesn't snacks. want to see any more fucking snacks. No more snacks, Spencer. Uh, and then we cut to the opening music. I have never been in a situation so serious where someone has said no more snacks. I can't even imagine what kind of circumstances that would be. So here is the quote from Kendall. Um, Spencer, write it down because I'm sure you'll use it at the firm. Okay. Um, it's not fucking good enough. You're fucking me here. I'm making good faith fucking assessments to my father, and you're making me look like a hack, and I will not have it. Stop sucking each other off back here and get fucking on it. You pour the shit I'm pouring on you on your fucking minions, and you ride them. I don't care. 24 hours. Rolling shifts. Crack the fucking whip. Everything you're doing is fucking bullshit, and I'm very disappointed in you. I swear to God I will fucking fire you if you keep monkeying around. Put the fucking snacks away. I don't want to fucking hear it. (laughs) Okay. Kendall. I mean... Kudos, that's a hell of a speech right there. Uh, two things. One, I'm glad to see the whole you're not going to go blue thing is just out the window because it's glorious to hear. Oh, yeah. Well, if I'm quoting, I'll... I'll it, and that one isn't that bad. It Sure. Yeah, not bad at all. Well, I mean, uh, it, it's not super sexual. Uh, two more points, actually, I want to throw in. Uh, point number two, I think it's the I'm disappointed in you that really just cut the most. <laughs> I know, I couldn't get through it without laughing. It's Everything just... you're doing is fucking bullshit and I'm very disappointed in you. Oh, <laughs> daggers in the heart with that one and third just a question for my benefit because I'm, I'm totally with you that this is a valuable speech that needs to be wielded in any business context absolutely I can but where do you think it'd be most appropriate and who with do you, do you think it'd be guidance about when you should bring it out because it seems like this is a a certain circumstances appropriate kind of speech um you know it's motivating i think it's oh, uh it, when you yeah. got to get people moving you need to tell them that everything they're doing is fucking bullshit and you're very disappointed in them so when I go to the annual firm retreat and I volunteer to give a little inspirational speech to get everybody going, should this be what I go with? Yes, you should. And like, you're not a partner, so you don't really own the firm, but you should just go up there and act like you do. Like, just hey, look, guys, I've been trying to lead you. <laughs> no one is listening to me. Look at the CEO right now. He is disappointed in you. <laughs> Oh, God. Very funny. Good good sequence there from Kindle. Um, in the opening credits, this is something we've been following for the last couple episodes, um, there are periodic shots through the montage of television screens mm-hmm. and rolling, I guess, chirons under it with news stories. Uh, Spencer, did you notice any changes to those news stories this episode? Because I did not. I think they're getting lazy. I was so yeah. excited when they were changing them up, but this one seemed exactly the same ones we've seen. Yeah, it's like three episodes in a row. Maybe we have to cut that segment. <sighs> Uh, yeah. At Waystar, Frank is talking to Shib, and he tells her it's time to talk to the audit review committee. Which is basic line business work. She is shadowing him. She's kind of in a Roman position, like where we saw him back in season one, and Shib is not happy with this. God, she is so entitled. And that's the thing, like, this is the exact type of thing that Logan wants to see her doing yeah. in order for him to get comfortable with her taking over, and it's the exact type of thing she doesn't want to fucking do. No, and after what, she, how badly she knows she screwed up in the last episode, the fact that she's still even in the company at all is something. 
the fact that she's now doing exactly what her dad believes is necessary for someone to merit the position, as you said, she is just so utterly entitled, she can't suffer through this. And she wants everyone to know that she feels that she shouldn't have to suffer through this. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't stop... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> my man Frank from trying to make lemons uh, or lemonade out of some lemons he has a great line here and he says um, come on soldier let's go now I like to recite proof rock internally while we check we're gap compliant but feel free to use whatever method you'd prefer do you know what that means uh, not really no it just in my mind I just kind of wrote it off again it's just that uh, Frank being highfalutin and very well read well so he yeah he's saying that he's wants to recite some poem by I think it's T.S. Eliot, maybe? Let me see. Uh, yes, you are. The Love yeah. Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Don't um, know that one. While they are checking that they are compliant with general accepted accounting principles. That's what that is. <laughs> well, you can always count on Frank to give you a good time. <laughs> yeah, Frank, the wild man. Um, Shib just finally says, fuck it, I'm leaving. Uh, says she won't even deal with it. She seems angry that she wasn't invited to Argusty's. Yeah. Which we learned throughout the beginning of the episode a little bit um, during the conversation on the plane, and now is some sort of like retreat for really wealthy people. Yeah, it seems like the kind of wheel and deal and location of where wealthy people go to make business deals. Right. Yeah, and I googled Argusties because I want to know is this a real thing, and I just got like a ton of articles that said no, Argusties isn't a real thing, but oh. It's based on these 50 different events that really do occur. So it's, yeah. uh, it's based on reality. I, I cannot imagine that they would be able to use the name of a real event. They'd be sued all the crap for how they frame it and show it in this episode. But, sure. uh, it, yeah, this is clearly mirroring reality, even if they can't put the exact name on it. Um, I would like to tell you, so uh, last couple of weeks I've been writing my notes. I try to do it a little bit faster than I have been. Mm -hmm. um, which is something you tried to teach me over our New Year's break. <laughs> With a gun to your head, essentially, yes. Uh, and so I'm going to just tell you what my notes are for this scene. Okay. Shib sucks. Upset she isn't at Argusty's. Mm -hmm. Shib says, fuck it, I'm going home. Entitled brat. <laughs> you know, th those appear to be the, the, high, the high points. Those are the main <laughs> notes to get out of this. Uh, yeah, go ahead. What? Uh, one thing she also confronts Frank about is that don't you feel like you've been left behind too? Do you like being here? Um, is Frank in some ways in the doghouse too? Or do they, it's just, just logically that they need an adult running the company while everybody else is off at play? I would say it's probably the latter. I mean, because if yeah. you're Logan and you need somebody there while all Frank. the power, play, power players are offline, you'd pick Frank. It's not like you need Frank at Argus's. No, you, you, this is the kind of thing of where either, you either put Frank or you put Jerry in charge of this and you kind of need Jerry close at hand at this particular moment. Exactly. Uh, so, Shib storms out. Uh, says she's made a decision. She's going home, and Carolina comes running by, tells Frank it's cruises. Spencer, you want to do a victory lap? Uh, uh, I'm back. Okay, that was my victory lap. <laughs> With the what Doppler effect noise? as I went. That was, the, it was kind of like a Doppler effect of me running around the room. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so Spencer, you did call this that at some point the cruise scandal would blow up, and it certainly does this episode. Uh, meanwhile, the Roys arrive at Argusty's. Roman gets out, poses, taps his wrist. Great quote from Roman. Time. Time is what I'm indicating here. <laughs> Just all the journalists are aware this is the communication we're having right now. Uh, yeah, Roman is handed a, uh, I guess, a schedule or an agenda or something, and he immediately calls out the Airbus culture hike, which does sound like a fucking lame event. Um, and inside, there's a meet and greet. Mm -hmm. uh, one question from the prior scene just to ask you. Uh, if, or if you were in a similar position to Shiv. If you see Carolina 
who is a person of remarkable power and influence and connection to Logan, running past you in a panic to get back in the room to talk to Frank, don't you turn around and go back in that room? Yeah, but it's Shib. She's she's hot-headed. I mean, when she gets mad, she's mad. She's like, fuck it, I'm just going home. I, I, I know, but if I was ever in that position, good God, am I not turning around. I, I, I could not, I'm not leaving. I'm turning around and going back to see what... Just fly on the wall. I want to know what's going on there. And it would have been smart for her to do so because she gets yeah. a call pretty much immediately afterwards that she has to go into a bathroom to take. She should have just stayed at the office. Yeah, she could have been, you know, dead in position on this. Instead, she spends a large portion of the episode complaining that she's been cut out of the loop when she kind of voluntarily left the loop, the loop in a tiff. Yeah. All right. Well, back to yep, Argustes, and there's a meet and greet, and Kendall is standing there looking through, uh, looking over the room, and Roman comes in and says, "Look at you, scanning for influence, like a yuppie Robocop." Uh, Roman asks Kendall if he's wearing a jacket to the panel. Kendall won't say. Roman says he may or may not wear socks. Shows some of that horny ankle cleavage. I think is the line. That is the, um, that's the line. Yes. It seemed to me here, and this is it's so rare in the show that I, I don't. It's like a sort of albino elephant or something like. Are they just having fun? Are they just joking around with each other? I think so. And it's really, you know, it's a weird thing to say in this kind of show, but this is kind of heartwarming to see Ken being Kendall again. Yeah. They're, they're just bantering. This is the kind of thing that, you know, both Kendall and Shiv were put off, uh, Roman and Shiv were put off that Kendall wouldn't do with them earlier. But now, yeah, they're letting their hair down and having a fun little talk between brothers. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> <laughs> what a messed up show. Uh, Greg approaches Tom, who is there. It's hilarious to me that Greg was invited to this thing. It kind of, you know, justifies Shiv's opinion about how she's been cut out when Tom and Greg apparently merit going and she doesn't right now. Tom doesn't just merit going. He has a speaking slot. Yeah. Tom's big time. Uh, Greg walks up and says, I might have just touched Bill Gates. Oh. <laughs> uh, Tom wants to know if he got the champagne package or the nut box in his room mm -hmm. which weirdly enough Greg knows the answer to Greg is good as Greg is good at his job Greg yeah Greg we see several times on this episode with one really key exception Greg's really performing his job pretty well he's doing exactly the services that Tom wants and apparently knowing them in advance of Tom even asking yeah yeah absolutely uh, Roman walks up and he makes fun of Tom and his jacket which apparently is a little bit overstuffed for Roman's <laughs> taste uh, and Logan walks in, Roman, good line here. All rise for Pope Big Dick. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Because uh, also another person walks in, Rhea. And everyone starts responding to her too. Yeah, Logan walks by her and says something along the lines of, you know what I want. Uh, Tom and Greg approach Logan and they're wanting to talk about the new ATN tagline. Um, hmm. It's what is it? We hear you, or we're listening? We're listening. Yeah. We're listening. Is great. Start. Yeah, it starts at we're listening. Uh, Logan sees Sandy, and he does the thing that we all do if you're in a room and you don't want to talk to somebody is you uh, just keep, try to get the people near you to keep talking. Yeah, keep talking to me doesn't matter. Just keep talking about me. and they try, but Logan's distracted. Yep. Uh, he asks Tom and Greg um, how Sandy's looking, and they pick up on what Logan really wants to hear. So they're like, I don't know, maybe feeble, not, not looking good. Mm -hmm. um, Logan here in a hushed voice says, I'm, I'm hearing maybe syphilis. <laughs> to which, <laughs> to which, you know, syphilis. You were, they, you were really hearing that Logan? <laughs> I mean, here's the weird thing. He has from Nan last episode. <laughs> he apparently the syphilis thing is actually a rumor. It's out and about. But Tom and Greg, knowing what essentially 
Logan's asking them to do here can barely take it seriously. No, and I think that if I was in Tom and Greg's position, I would immediately assume that's bullshit. Oh, and I think and Tom, I think, uh, yeah, Tom's Tom tips his hand. Response. Exactly, he does. He tips his <laughs> hand and says, you don't really hear much about syphilis these days. Very much the MySpace of STDs. Line of the episode, right there. Slapped strong. my ass off when I heard that line. Pretty so fucking funny. strong. <laughs> uh, a guy named Hugo Baker walks up to Logan. I know his name, Shib does not. Uh, explains that everyone has a story, uh, or that someone has a story on cruises. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan asks for a room that they can huddle down and discuss. And as we've been debating, S has been very effectively foreshadowed throughout the show. That's where I don't want to give myself too much credit. They've been wanting us to remember this and foreshadowing that this was something that was waiting to blow up. I think they even called it a nuclear reactor waiting to go off. Right. Um, and it is because a local magazine has a story they're about to run with and they had the courtesy or they got a leaked information that it may run very soon. Maybe even sooner than Carolina was told. I think the magazine did tell them. Um, because they apparently uh, have already pushed back. And the magazine... Like, when, when Logan is hearing this information, it's they've already tried to triage it. They've already tried to stop it. And the magazine is going to continue forward. So they go into a kitchen, which <laughs> Logan's not real pleased that they can only go into a kitchen. Mm-hmm. And they get Shiv on the phone, who is getting a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And they're discussing strategy. And Shiv is being very weird on this call. Spencer, I don't know how many actual like meetings you have at work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you have you meet with clients, but I don't know if you have like corporate meetings or something where like there's 10, 15 people in the room. Pretty I rare. do it. I have it all the time. And there's this thing that uh, people who have worked with me and I've worked for have I've told everybody within earshot I can that I hate is when somebody in those meetings talks just to be talking. Yeah. Just to be noticed. Just to posture and instead of trying to actually add value to the conversation. And that's what I think Shib was doing here. She would not shut the fuck up and she kept saying things everybody already knew. And she kept attacking various people in the room as she was going about it. Like she was just lashing at it, her dad, Kendall, yeah. pretty much anybody who even spoke for a moment. She was just kind of blaming them that she's not better in the loop about this. Yeah, uh, and to that point, I mean, she says uh, that they should try to close the Pierce deal quickly. Which that prompts Logan to say, what the fuck do you think we've been doing here, Siobhan? Mm-hmm. So she's just saying shit that she doesn't need to say, um, and she won't get out of her own way. She does, to your point, uh, kind of go after Kendall a little bit, because Kendall is pitching the route of a cease and desist. You yeah. know, try to just bog them down in your kind of folks, the attorneys and the, the <laughs> paper and the red tape and all that stuff, whereas Shib is pitching that they work with the magazine, they give them you know, a little bit of the story. They, you know, work background. They try to, to try to basically manage it as opposed to stop it from coming out altogether. And between these two options, I think Shiv's getting, giving the better advice here. I think she's right when she says that Kindle's method is high risk, high reward in a way we probably shouldn't attempt right now. But the, Kindle's telling his dad kind of what he wants to hear in terms of what option he wants to go with. Yeah, uh, to, that, to that point, Logan does go with Kendall's approach. He does, but he kind of mixes it up. He kind of lets he emphasizes Kendall's approach, but he also kind of endorses. Let's also kind of do Shiv's method to a certain degree too. There's a there's a certain element of a mix that we hear suggested later on because they both apparently end up failing in their own ways. So, question for you: um, When Logan gives the marching orders, he does reiterate that they need to close the Pierce deal quickly. I think he even says we need to close it this weekend. 
And Jerry starts a sentence and she says, well, legally speaking, and Logan cuts her off. Mm -hmm. What do you think she was driving at there? Uh, That we've got, you know, the whole fiduciary duty, ha ha thing that's going on here, where this is a substantial thing that needs to be run by and approved by the board. There needs to be shareholder involvement in this. We are a public company. We can't just simply make these moves arbitrarily. But again, ha ha. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime these moments come up. I just think back to like, I don't know, whenever it probably would be in this story when Waystar went public. Mm-hmm. Someone should have been in Logan's ear like, hey, dude, you really aren't the type of personality to run a public company. Like, <laughs> no. This is not your forte. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it will be extra billions, but this will grate on you pretty quick. You're going to fucking hate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, w- one thing that just occurred to me as well is that from what, um, who was our vice president in the room again? What would you say his name was? Uh, Hugo. Um, Hugo. Right. Yeah. Um, he points out something about how they probably first heard about the story is that I think he says the magazine called one of his people down in Florida to get like a statement from somebody purposefully junior mm-hmm. and that person, good little soldier, they were immediately reported it to their boss and that's how they then got in the loop and then, like you said, have probably contacted the magazine since and tried to vet what's going on. But right. I think that, I think that was the first starting point. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Another thing I'd like to point out here is, you know, Hugo starts talking on the call Ship says, who is that? Who are you? And he says, Hugo Baker, senior vice president for cruises. And it's like, that's how clueless she is in this company. She doesn't even yeah. know the senior vice president for cruises. I think even her next question afterwards is, is my dad on the call? Does he know I'm on the call? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's even more pointed language. It's just, yeah, it's just, she should have jumped in and sat for a moment and just gotten up to speed the way a normal human being would do when they're being presented on a call like this. But Shiv constantly needs to make everyone aware of her presence, her involvement, yep. and her importance. And even even when that is clearly cushioned with some solid advice, she's smart. She's a political strategist. She's been doing this for apparently 10 years. And her method, probably if they'd emphasize that, might have had better grounds for success. Hindsight being a bitch. Um, but she's still just so insufferable even when she's giving you good advice. Yeah, she's the worst. Uh, definitely one of those people, uh, as I mentioned before, that they need you to know they're in the meeting. And I yeah. kept zero patience for that. And I've actually ended meetings when I thought someone was doing that before. I've done the thing of, okay, we're done here. Let's well, go. It's interesting where this one ends on, too, of where yep. Logan, you know, seeing this, listening, legitimately listening to Shiv's advice and in some ways kind of trying to work it into what was primarily Kendall's plan, wants Shiv to be be here to be essentially the face of the company right now. Yep. Which is something that they could use. They need to uh, get the demographics right. They need to get their image straight for, for this kind of situation. This is a way into power for her. And her response is... No. No. I, this is not the way I want to be into power. I don't want to be tied to this story. And... I don't think he literally says fuck off, but he basically just says, why are you even on the call then? Click yeah, I got the line. He says, then what the fuck are you doing on the phone, Siobhan? And he hangs up on her. And it, there's other people in the room. It wasn't He wasn't by himself when he did that, no. uh, which I think is important. Yeah, and it's, again, Shiv really wants this on her own terms. She wants a measure of control over this, but she doesn't have the, honestly, this is her moment of leverage and she's balking at it just because it's not perfect. Yep. Agreed. Uh, next scene here, it, it's probably not going to be the scene that you would think I would call the most funny scene of the episode. But I literally paused this and laughed for a good 30 seconds to myself. 
because Tom is enjoying the nature walk. <laughs> he really is. And he's great. <laughs> so earnest. He's like a little golden retriever. He's having so much fun. What is his line? He says something really crazy. Um, <laughs> well, we know that we know he's enjoying it um, because Greg comes up and he says, uh, it's like I've fallen into a barrel of deal tits. <laughs> That is, yeah, yeah, that is the situation. <laughs> it just makes me, it just so, it's just so funny to me that Tom is enjoying this. But Greg is coming up because he wants to explain that their tagline, that Tom is apparently going to debut at some speech or, or, or talk at Argesti's, is problematic because it's we're listening. And apparently, as Greg puts it, we really are. Yeah, apparently this company is also part Google or Amazon here too because whatever devices they have in your home at all times are recording everything that you say or do at all times forever. Yeah, it seems like it's a cable box maybe. That's probably tying into the cable thing, yeah. And that there's a voice activation mode. Um, Yep. And then Greg says like there's a gray area in terms of our data collection so that we are kind of like a... We are actually listening. <laughs> There's no gray area. There's no gray area. We're just doing it. Very funny. So Tom freaks out. Tom doesn't like this. And it's it's fair. I mean, you know, they've, they've apparently tested the we're listening, um, yeah. which Logan says it tested fine. Greg keeps, or Tom keeps saying it tested great. Logan, mm-hmm. Logan clarified in an earlier scene. It tested fine. But they're going to have to go with something else because you can't go out and say our corporate tagline is we're listening when they're literally in your home <laughs> listening unknowingly recording you yeah, in, in a, Tom's words listening quite aggressively <laughs> yeah that's yeah, pretty funny uh, anything else you want to talk about with this scene uh, just again this just really shows that uh, Greg is Tom's guy that he's running out in the middle of their wildlife you know hike to make sure that Tom is informed because apparently Tom has his damn cell phone off um, he's on the nature walk dude yeah, I know. It's important to prioritize. But, oh, you know, deal the, tits. Yes, deal tits <laughs> should always take preeminence. I'm saying is my hand is just covering my entire face right now. Uh, but, yeah, it, it is it is interesting to see several times over the course of this episode that, yeah, Greg is really very much Tom's right-hand guy now. That whatever he's doing at all times forever, Greg's there on it. Sorry, right. Gregory. Got to get that right now. Gregory. Exactly. Mm. Cut to Logan walking up to Marsha. Interesting quote here. Uh, your girlfriend really coming in strong here. I felt like this was a good scene for her. Pr- really good episode for Marsha, actually. Yeah. Logan says, it's possible that some things will come out. Nasty things. People will say things about me, about the company. I might need to know you're with me. Marsha, Logan, when I am with someone, I am with them. Look at me. I know who you are. So he gets that affirmation from her that at least she's not going to jump ship. Haha. Ha. Uh, right away. <laughs> oh, God. Boo. That is a rough reference with the kind of the news reports we get out of this for later <laughs> on. But yeah, it this is um I'd almost call this heartwarming of where no, I'll, I'll straight up call it heartwarming. This is this is a powerful little scene between two characters of where this is Logan being at least what appears to be very vulnerable. That he's all, he's not wanting to look at her eyes. He's in some ways really concerned about what she might say here, but really needs her support. Yep. And when she says, I'm with you throughout all of this, whatever there's a moment, there's one of the few moments we see Logan almost just like his shoulders release some tension for a second that at least this is secure, at least this is okay. Because so much of the rest of this is, Logan's a powerful, strong guy. He's endured a lot, but he's, re, this is a, a variety of, of, of things that are starting to break his back over the course of this episode. 
This yeah. is the one person who's offering offering him some unconditional support. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Jerry then goes up to Roman and explains that Logan is intrigued with a guy named Edward's money. The idea here is that this guy has enough money, or at least he has a pipeline to enough money, that they could actually buy Waystar and take them private. I have a quote I want to say, nominate it for Roman line of the episode, and then I want to get maybe you to, to clarify a little bit about this idea of going private if you if you have that background knowledge. So Roman then tells Jerry, so this is what, makeup sex? This is you grinding yourself against me and saying sorry for not telling me about Shiv and Dad? And it's funny when he throws shit like this out, Jerry just ignores it, just lets it pass. Yeah. <laughs> she really knows it. how to handle Roman. Um, but Spencer, what I'm interested in is w- when they say take them private, do you have a, can you explain to folks kind of what that means? You know, I was kind of debating that when that goes because I really don't know. And the only way I could imagine they could be effectively take private is if they essentially do a massive stock buyback. Right. Which, if we're talking that kind of money, Jesus Christ, what, are the, what is this guy rolling with? That if they can essentially buy back all of the public shares of the company that are owned by everybody else, I don't even know how, that, or at least enough to be enough that the family could have sole. Uh, essentially sole control again of any effective uh, decision making that's a hell of a lot of capital investment and I'm very curious to what they think that they can offer this guy to make that happen yeah it seems to me that that's what they're indicating here now they do give you a little hint about this guy's money and it says that his dad has a hose attached to the central bank so that makes me think that this is like state money this is like a, a government um, very much as we find to. out later yeah very absolutely but what, yeah that would be huge and it's just interesting to me that if this is really an option that Logan is interested in, why was he talked into dispatching Roman? Oh, uh, because Godmother Jerry specifically did it. Yeah, she did. But that seems to me not to be the person I'd get off well, the bench for that particular activity. What, and I think the relative importance in his mind of this and what how viable an option he feels it might be is reflect uh, can be shown by the two people that he pondered sending to do this. Yes. His first option was Tom. <laughs> Let's consider that. Fallback plan, thanks to Godmother Jerry Repinim, was Roman. This tells me that this is something they want to kind of put a feeler in, but they don't really necessarily consider it the future of the company. Yeah, completely agree. Cut to Logan talking to Rhea. They talk a lot. Spencer, they talk a little bit more than I would expect them to, given their roles, right? They talk more than they should. Yes, and that comes up later. They're being very casual with their conversations. They, again, these are people on two sides of a business deal. If this was an attorney kind of situation, you would be violating all kinds of ethical duties in terms of conflict of interest. If what she's doing, she isn't plainly having a conflict of interest right now in terms of how she's working both sides. And... That's bushly kind of dumb. There's people watching you two talk and Nan's not there and probably not hearing about the conversation. They really should have expected this to blow up the way it does later. Yeah, and I can tell you, the first time I watched this, this was a very important scene for me because Rhea basically tells Logan, look, we shouldn't be talking. People can see us. Logan says, I don't mind a bit of tittle-tattle. And she Mm -hmm. says, yeah, but you're a big rhino and I'm just a flighty little sparrow. And I thought, wait a second, are they flirting? That was a vaguely flirty kind of line, and I think Logan picked up on it. 
Yeah. Because he even seemed to smile a little bit at the line as he kind of turned away and turned around. Uh, and that's... Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know what to make of that. I don't like it. I don't know where it's going. Yeah, well, I know you don't like it. Nobody's no, I don't... undermine your girlfriend. Not at all. No, no, no. She deserves wonderful things. Now, let's, let's not be doing that, okay? <laughs> that, it seems like it really be honestly out of character for Logan anyway, if that's kind of where it goes and develops. Um, yeah. We've not seen... We've not seen that side or indication of him other than the previously referenced Shiv hand on crotch while high. Um, that doesn't seem to be a real aspect <laughs> of his references character. References to that scene in one episode. Never forget. <laughs> God, that was scarring. That was uh, terrible. But it, it doesn't, that's not an aspect of his character we've seen before. So if that starts to develop in that route, well, it's just something we've not had a previous grounds for reference on. But I don't like it. Yeah, I think Logan does pick up on that. Because mm-hmm. then he actually pushes the conversation, I think maybe a little farther than he originally anticipated. Mm-hmm. Because he floats this idea of, hey, Rhea, can you tell the family that, you know, can you convince them that maybe I'll walk? And the way he phrases it, it's like he and Rhea know he's not going to walk. But he's trying to get her to convince the family that maybe he would. And that maybe was a bridge too far for her because she has this great line, oh, later, I hear the culture hike is the hot ticket. But I'm not sure you were crazy about either one of those things, culture yeah. or hiking. And it's, it's interesting that she's saying that purposely a little bit. He's leaning in really close uh, to say this kind of line to her. And she kind of leans back and says much more loudly, for everyone listening, nope. Just backing out there. It's like, okay, that one's way too obvious about conflict of duties there. Absolutely. Anything else on this scene before we move on? No, I, I agree with you. There's definitely an edge of flirting there. And I think that Rhea, we've talked before about her being very much Jerry, where she's willing to do whatever necessary to survive and advance her own power. And, and play she, both sides. Yeah. And if she sees a potential avenue of appealing to his ego there by doing that, she'll totally work that. And I'm just curious what degree, what, how Logan responds to it, if that's something that keeps going. Yeah. Then we cut to Kendall, who walks up to Stewie, because of course Stewie is at this thing. Of course he is. Sandy's he's like the the number one with a bullet person who would go to something like this. Absolutely. And Stewie, a lot of confidence from Stewie here. Hey, hey, look who it is, daddy's boy. I hear your staff are all killing themselves now. Which, (sighs) tough line, because of the actual guy who killed himself at ATN. Yeah. And uh, Kendall, very flippant about it, says, yeah, the thought you could be their boss, which you never will be. Mm, okay. What are you, 13? Stewie, <laughs> Stewie says, no, sure, because of all the acquisitions you guys are making, like really blowing yourself up, huh? There's a $75 comp salad here. Dude, you should buy that. Use that as a defense. Good lines from Stewie. It's a very funny line from Stewie. I call that line out because upon my rewatch, I heard that they had a $75 Cobb salad and I just really, really wanted to be in this fictitious world with you so that you could see a menu with a $75 Cobb salad and I could see your reaction. I'm not ordering anything. I don't care. <laughs> you no. got to pull, pull a Nan. Give me some tap water. <laughs> yeah, I, I want some tap water and bring me free crackers. I That's all I'm having at this place. This is not my venue. <laughs> $75 Cobb salad. Jeez, old peasel. Um, yeah, but basically what Kindle is doing here, it seems... And he has a pension for doing this, and I think it actually hurts him. Yeah. I think he's trying to be honest with Stewie. He has some measure of guilt about how everything went down. 
you know, with the potential takeover that he was involved in, then he backed out of, and now they're going to, you know, bloat the company to the point that this whole scheme that Stewie has cooked up with Sandy potentially won't work. He's really trying to give him a heads up about it. And Stewie, totally in character, and I think totally fair, just says, due respect, Ken, I really don't trust you. Like, I don't know what you think you were going to do with this conversation, but I'm not going to take anything you say here at face value. Yeah, and Kendall kind of swallows, nods, and walks away. But I very much agree with you that Kendall, for as much as he's really in the muck, is strikes me as a pretty honest person. We've not really seen him directly lie many times over the course of the show. It's not really in character for him. So, yeah, I don't need any opportunity. He's going to try to make the effort to just tell somebody something, particularly somebody that he clearly legitimately feels bad for how things played out. This is where he is now is not where he wanted to be. He wanted to be with Stewie on this, and he feels bad for screwing him over. So in some ways, he's trying to be honest with him and even protect him to a certain degree, is that this is going to kill it. Do what you can to protect yourself as the fallout after the fallout occurs. Yes, absolutely. Then we cut to the next scene, and it's some sort of weird movie screening um, that Tom is showing up to. And again, Greg is kind of chasing after him. Mm-hmm. And they have this hilarious sort of Abbott and Costello back and forth here. <laughs> they do. These two actors are getting really good at playing off each other because they're trying to cook up a new slogan that's not we're listening. Mm-hmm. And I think that Greg initially pitches, we hear you. Mm-hmm. And Tom's like, well, what the hell's the difference there? And Greg makes the point, well, it's a little less active. It's true. It's true. I'm just passively <laughs> recording everything that you do in your life. Uh-huh. And then they finally, I think it's between the two of them, they cook up this idea of we here for you. H-E-A-R. We here for you. Great line from Greg here. Made me laugh out loud. It's good because it's not exactly clear what the hell it means. You know, so lots of legal room. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's the objective they're going for, kudos, because that is utterly indecipherable. Yeah. I was just trying to think about me as like a consumer. Like, let's say you were watching CNN and then like Jake Tapper comes up and goes, CNN, we here for you. I mean, Uh, I would turn my television off, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a wonderful scene that we're going to see later of the audience (laughs) behind Greg reacting to Tom using that line. We here for you. Uh, Cut to Kendall. Um, He's approaching Edward, or no, not Kendall. Um, this is Roman approaches mm-hmm. Edward, and Edward motions that they should go into the bathroom. Spencer, would you have known what this meant? Uh, would I have known uh, um, who? If I was, which position would I have you, known what this meant? If you were, if you were Roman, yeah, and you walk up and said, "Hey, Spencer Leach, good to see you," and the guy just goes, nods you to the bathroom. What would you think that is? Having watched this show, I now have ideas. Independently, no clue. Just like, okay, maybe he needs to go pee. <laughs> yeah, follow me to the bathroom. I have to pee. No, Let, what it really is. Let's pee together. Is, powder our noses. He wants to you powder our noses. There you go. Uh, oh, line, God. Spencer. I didn't even mean that one. Okay. Good line, Spencer. <laughs> Bravo, I didn't sir. even mean it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, that's exactly what they're doing because... Edward, Powdering uh, their noses. Shit. Okay, Edward, yeah. Edward wants to take a little bump. Gives it to Roman. I think this is the first time we see Roman do drugs, isn't it? Very pointedly. I mean, he previously, uh, every time we've seen him exposed to uh, drugs, he's just kind of rebuffed it and just asked questions or like like it's entirely foreign to him. I, we, it, I didn't think that was in any way Roman's scene. No, I don't either. And, you know, everyone, it seems like, did drugs at Tom's bachelor party. I never saw Roman do drugs, and I actually saw him 
pretty much save Connor's life by saying, Connor, you take one of those. You do not take two. Yeah. <laughs> you do not take two MDNA. Um, but anyway, Roman does take it and he does, I think he takes a small bump mm-hmm. and they start having a conversation where, I mean, Edward clearly knows he's being pitched. He's being pitched by everybody. Yeah. Roman is trying to like non pitch him, like discuss it, but in a way that like he's different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And after Edward gets a little bit of coke in him, he gets fired up and he's like, you know, the news, it's just so blah. Like. And then he kind of goes on this rant suggesting that if he was to invest in Waystar, he would want any news division to basically just propagate positive stories about his family and his government. Yeah, they want a positive agenda to be run about where the money's coming from. Uh, this, this strikes me as a bit of an Al Jazeera that he's trying to create and want right here. Yeah, Maybe perfect, perfectly legitimate news outside of the region, but within the region, you run what we tell you to do. Yeah, but I mean, I think that this guy is clearly pretty high on code. The actor's doing a good job of it. Yeah. So obviously, Roman knows that he's not going to get anywhere tangible in this moment. So the guy walks off, and Greg is coming in the bathroom. Great sequence here from Greg. Hey, big fan of all your money. And the guy just goes, okay. It just like just completely dismisses him. Yeah. And then it's back and forth. I'm interested to hear your take on this. Greg walks into the bathroom. Roman is there kind of cleaning up. And he says, hey, hey, what's going on? Doing the old cocaine? Could I maybe get a little bump? Roman, Greg, what happened? <laughs> I love that exchange. I love it so much. <laughs> There, 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 there seems, I, I don't know, I can't really unpack the tone that Roman's going with, but he just seems, there's a gentleman almost like deflating in the tone, just, oh god, we abused the puppy. Where, what has happened to this small child that came among us? Greg, what happened? <laughs> uh, Greg says he could use a little pick-me-up because of all the stress of the situation. Roman says, good luck with that, and wipes his hands on Greg's jacket before leaving the bathroom. Yeah, there's no paper towels, I gotta get, you know, dry. Cut to Tom, he's chatting up some woman. Yes, he um, is. He's mentioning this huge budget he's got at ATN and how he's in charge of it. And Shiv walks up, completely surprising him. Interesting to me that, it, and Tom points this out, couldn't even a shot of text, not even just one text saying you're coming. And she's like, well, I've been busy, which that's horseshit. You can send one text on your flight over. Yeah, he even describes it as, you know, it's unsettling. And she just, just shrugs off him saying that. It's like, your partner just said your behavior has been unsettling. He's like, eh, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, she doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, she uh, then warns Tom that a piece on cruises is coming. Tom rightfully panics, uh, starts thinking, is this about me? Is this about me? She doesn't know. I think she's a little put off that he immediately asks about himself. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of cuts to it and says, are you trying to bang Nia Baton? Which is the lady <laughs> that he was talking to. Mm-hmm. Tom says no, but astutely points out, if he that was, would be okay. it would be acceptable. And she says, no, I know her. So you can't do that. This is She's just making the rules up as she goes along. Oh, yeah, Tom okay. does point out the actor, which she completely dismisses. And she actually doesn't back off of this. I think in this scene, she's telling him, no, you can't bang her. It's, it's even interesting, too. The reasons that she says it is that she says, you know, I, I know her. And he's like, well, you know, that actor was pretty connected to us. He was part of the play your brother was financing. But yep. yeah, but Nia's a person. <laughs> that's a hell of a, a person line. with a face right yeah person with a face it's like oh uh, okay maybe we need to write these rules down because now they're getting really philosophical apparently 
Yeah, very strange. I think it's just I, I think it's just Shiv making things up. Oh, Shiv's is this Shiv doing a power play? Yes. This is Shiv just saying, "Hey, I'm going to break up you have, chatting up a lady, and then I'm just going to tell you not to do it." Despite the fact that I've clearly done whatever I wanted, and as Tom points out, waited ten days to tell me. Yes. Because uh, I can, and I know you're going to bow to it. it. It's even interesting too about, like you said, Shiv seems a little put off that Tom's focusing on himself, but Tom quickly frames this like, "But yeah, I'm focusing on myself because you're completely out of the loop. You're completely protected. You're not even in the company. I'm third in line to this shit." I'm rightfully concerned about me right now. You have no stake in this game. Yep. Uh, Roman knocks on Jerry's door in the middle of the night, and we're now at a point in the series, whenever that happens, anything is on the table. Uh, this seems really freaking hilarious. Really funny. It looks like he's not there for one of their secret private meetings, and instead he's informing her of how it went with Edward. And this exchange happens, which I think is really good. Uh, Jerry, how'd it go? Uh, he might be good for infinite billions, but he wants a f front news channel to spew propaganda. We into that? Um, I guess. Depends on the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Plus, I mean, the whole, obviously, it's an ethical minefield. Sure, of course. But what if we took the position of fuck it? <laughs> well, that's, that's an interesting ethical position. Silo it off. <laughs> very funny. Uh, very funny back and forth here between the two of them. And it concludes with Roman floating the idea of them two teaming up. What did you think of this? I thought this was kind of... I almost... How to put it? I thought this was Jerry's plan in some ways. That she was kind of picking a, picking a sibling that she could focus on as grooming up in her own way. And it seems that Roman has similar ideas for the two of them. It also... How to put it? Anything Roman touches is horrible, but if Roman's ever actually going to get the job, inevitably I want Jerry to actually be running the ship while he... How does he put it? Serves as the kind of song-singing Mick Jagger figure? So I got the quote. Uh, this, is his, this is his pitch to Jerry. Uh, like me, kind of like Jagger Tarzan, fronting things up and swinging through trees with my little dick and singing and killing shit. And you, back home, cooking a soup, making sure the numbers are right. Mm. Rockstar and the mole woman? <laughs> Oh, you're really selling me. <laughs> Very funny back and forth. But ultimately what he's saying is, hey, let's me and you team up. That may be you as CEO. It may be me as CEO. But at least we're, we're on the same team now. Yeah. And she kind of sort of just laughs it off for right now. Uh, just like, you know, it's late. You got to go. But they sign off with, okay, thanks, my woman. Thanks, Rockstar. Night, night. Now, did you notice when she closed the door... She had a huge smile on her face. Beaming smile on her face. Yeah. And that goes to your point that I think this was kind of her plan all along. Yeah. I think this... Jerry... I like Jerry a lot. I know you love Jerry quite a bit. Love Jerry. Uh, uh, and I respect her pragmatic nature. Capable pragmatic nature, too. Yep. So I, I always assumed that she had a few sticks in the fire and that this was one of the ones. And it's starting to catch flame. Yeah, well said. That's exactly right. I think she does have... She plays both sides a lot, but this is one where she's been able to bring Roman along and probably had a little dumb luck with the weird sexual stuff, which has made... But honestly, because she probably couldn't have... I mean, she knows Roman's fucked up, but she couldn't have predicted he would be wanting to do any of that stuff with her. But the fact that he does, I think, makes them even more close. Yeah. And, you know, to a certain degree, too, I think... She when I say likes Roman, I don't necessarily mean it that way, but I think she does like Roman. I think she kind of enjoys being around him to a certain degree. And I don't think it's entirely self-interested in some ways when she's involved with him, just because I think she gets a bit out of it, too. 
Don't you dare throw cold water on this relationship, Spencer. I'm not. I'm not trying at all. I'm supporting the flames oh. that they're stoking together. I believe in Roman Jerry. <laughs> okay, okay. Rary? Again, again, this is you playing multiple sides. I previously, previously <laughs> thought that you were big team Greg Wilder. Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for that. You can only too. pick one. Basically, you can only pick I'm, one. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for all the relationships that really aren't going to work. <laughs> You're rooting for none of the existing relationships because God, those are bad. Uh, cut to the next day at Argustis, and Rhea greets Nan Pierce, who has now showed up. Nan, boss move, refuses to take the name tag. Yeah, don't don't want any of that peasant stuff. Uh, Logan is at a table with Ken, and he seems off. Logan doesn't seem right during this entire day. And they're waiting for Nan. Hugo comes up, says the piece about cruises will be going up soon, so going up online and will be in print Monday. Kendall, smart guy that he is, suggests they just leave. Logan agrees just in time for Nan and Rhea to walk up. Logan immediately starts pushing to close the deal. He has this, he gets really direct with her. He says, here's a quote. So we're there, correct? Happy about the break fee, the rest? She says, sorry, did I miss the preamble? I heard that you were going to apologize for your outburst at Turnhaven, which was, you know, my favorite line from Shakespeare, take the fucking money. Which, Logan, back to present day, says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm tired. She says, well, that's appreciated. Uh, he says, my dad's just reflecting our desire to get this concluded as swiftly and amicably as possible. This is Kendall kind of jumping in and trying to, exactly, trying to make sure everything kind of stays on the rails. Nan says, every day a letter, a meeting, a call. I'm afraid my metabolism tends a little slower. Hmm. Logan then goes on, yeah, but we can sign. We are ready to sign. And he really pushes her here. And what, wait, I'm trying to get to a point where he really gets tough with her. He says, like, it's, I, I won't go through the, the actual quote, but he says something along the lines of, my patience is wearing thin. I told you this needed to be fast. You need to sign now. And Nan is having none of it. She's having none of it. And it's a couple of interesting things that play out. Well, one very interesting that plays out here is that Rhea directly supports Logan here. Yes. Right in front of Nan. Which and she notices when Rhea says, okay, well, can we at least sign the LOI? And it, it was a tone-deaf thing for Rhea to do because it was very clear in the conversation that Nan didn't want to do anything. No, and Nan gives her a look that is just, it's an mm-hmm. even mix of just surprise and suddenly, I see you now. Mm-hmm. I see you now. It's a moment of both surprise and realization. And even Rhea kind of recoils from a second and oh, I went too far there. Yep. Um, but they're trying to get this in. They've got a room. Kendall's pushing the signing. They're all three are trying to work Nan. And it doesn't happen fast enough because Ken's actively watching his cell phone. It's like, it's, is this New Yorker magazine or something he's watching? New York uh, magazine, yeah. New York magazine. It, and he's just waiting for the refresh, waiting for the refresh, and there it comes. So I have a theory about this conversation, and I can link it to a scene earlier uh, in earlier episodes. Do you remember when Logan, I can't remember who he was negotiating with. I think it was the folks where he was buying up all the cable news channels, the local news. Yeah. And like he threw out a number and they said yes and smiled and said, this is great. I think Nan is on the same other side of that, where when she throws out this idea of performances based on uh, performance bonuses, based on what PGN does or PGN's performance, Logan immediately says yes, without talking about the percentages what the benchmarks are, any of that. He just says yes. And I think that immediately makes her skeptical. 
oh yeah, not even just yes, it's just that yes, and we'll pay all the legal fees associated with it. Even your in-house counsel fees. Yep. All of it. We got it covered. It's too good. It's too obviously good. It's, okay, you're wrapping this up and covering it with cream. What are you covering? Yeah, and- exactly. And then that, that, that shoe does drop because the story gets posted. It's clear that both Kendall and Rhea see it, and Kendall suggests that he and Logan just leave. Yeah, and they previously wanted to leave before they even sat down. It's just like, okay, there's nothing yep. we can salvage about this right now. we got to go. But then Nan tries to sit, sit, shows up right then, and they try to sell it quickly as a last effort, but it's way too late. Yeah, and Nan, the, the Spencer voice in the conversation, looks at the menu, says, my God, the prices, and then just says, I'll take tap water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nan's channeling me right there. Just $75 for a Cobb salad. I can't even imagine what breakfast is going to cost. Don't want to know what the fixed rate for a breakfast menu is in this thing. God, a couple hundred bucks for some eggs and bacon, probably. Logan and Kendall go off into a room with Roman, Hugo, and Jerry. Logan gets a printout of the article. Everybody else reading on their phone. Logan needs a printout. Damn straight, it wants a printout. Old guy move. Yeah. Shib walks in. Roman, is it me or is this bullshit? Maybe this, maybe that. Kendall, Rome, careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rome, is this one of those things that I need a woman to explain to me why it's bad? Shiv, is it bad? Shiv, don't ask me. I'm not your group Geiger counter. <laughs> Great line. Great line. Very that, good. Shiv also staying in character that she walks in the room and immediately insults everyone in the room by saying, uh, is everyone remedial at reading? Come on. Apparently she's already read it on her way over. In character Shiv. Yeah, very much so. Alienate the room right away. Yeah. But I love the group Geiger counter, and it's yeah. more it's just more and more evidence that we get from the show that whoever there is at least one writer that is as interested in nuclear technology as we are. <laughs> you know, I did look at that. I didn't think about that. But yeah, it's you're all, damn Think you're about right. how many times we've gotten that <laughs> we've gotten references <laughs> to nuclear power plants or nuclear weapons or whatever. You know, it's good to see that people like us became nuclear engineers from watching Chernobyl. This is what I assume happened. <laughs> it's on my resume. Yeah. They are reviewing the allegations and they point out that there aren't a lot of specifics, which appears to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but that creates tension because Shib is now flipped and she wants to kind of just let's get rid of this thing. And Kendall is kind of stopping and saying, well, no, I'm, I'm, we need to deal with this. You can't condemn and move on. It's a kind of a powerful moment from Kendall of where, you know, they're all debating this and he just kind of stops the conversation and holds his phone and says, no, this is bad. Mm-hmm. And he's not saying like for the company, he's just saying, no, this is just morally bad. We need to actually do something about this. We need to take this seriously. And you're right. It's really interesting to see Shiv is kind of, Shiv's trying to work both sides about this where she's constantly yeah. shifting back and forth to work with the room based on whatever's occurring. Yeah, she just flipped. And it seemed to me that she just is against whatever Kendall says. Yeah, I think she sees him as effectively her opponent. I think we see that cl- pretty clearly on stage here in a second, too. Yeah, and so they start going through some of the specific allegations. Of course, Lester, Mo Lester, mm. is named and involved. And we have this exchange between Roman and then Logan. Roman, I mean, call me sociopathic, but doesn't this all seem a tiny bit quaint? Yeah, I'll call you sociopathic for that one. I'll call you sociopathic for that one, Roman. Logan, he's right. It's cultural splashback. We're being punished for the sins of others. No one real gives a fuck. And then Kendall says, hey, Dad, we can't be seen to minimize this. Um, And then you have the back and forth with Kendall and Shib. 
Logan that has this line, not the best look ever for Logan. Mm -hmm. If we get into it all, they'll never be satisfied. It's bullshit. It's all about me. It's not real. It's not honest. They don't give a flying fuck for these poor bitches. They hate me. And even Shib cringes at that line. Oh yeah, Shib flinches at that line. She's even effectively agreeing with his strategy right here, but that still is a... Oof. Logan... Logan's de-threading in front of them real quick. That he's put in all of his energy to make this deal happen. And now that it's under threat, it's too much. He's only so strong and he's starting to collapse in front of him. And it's hard for them all to watch it, even. Now, how would you have advised Logan in this situation? Uh, you know what? I think this time I'm kind of with a Kendall strategy here. Is yeah, that, me too. That you don't know how big this is. And you can't really assess the situation based on this individual story. Because the moment this story comes out, it could open the floodgates for everything else. Because you know what's actually there. You know what's present. You know what could potentially explode from this, and that's kind of outside your control now. So the best thing you can do is start to do damage control by taking it as seriously as possible, because you know how serious it is. Exactly. Just, you can't condemn and move on when you don't know you've got full control over it, and you don't know what else could come out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree with you. We can move on to the next bit of dialogue here. They talk about the panel. Logan asks Shib to do the panel. Shib says no. She says she's not been fully briefed. Kendall says he can do it. Roman says we can do it. Mm -hmm. And Logan again tells Shib before they wrap up this conversation that they could use her help. But if she doesn't want to help, okay. Logan says we should just continue moving forward. Let's act like nothing is happening. Which very quickly he's not able to do because Jerry explains that pretty much all of his meetings have been canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to be seen with him. For good damn good reasons. Uh, and yeah. as they're walking, we get a bit of a confrontation between uh, Kendall and Stewie, don't we? Yep, Stewie walks up to Kendall. I guess if you did have something happening, deal-wise, it's dead in the water now? Like some of those women that went on your cruises? Oh, <laughs> Jesus, Stewie! Yeah, oh. Stewie with a little, little shiv. I mean, we went from Stewie making a bit of an offhand joke about a guy shooting himself in ATN's offices to now joking about the dead guy, the dead women. I mean, on point reference, but god damn, man. Stewie is cold-blooded. He yeah. don't give a fuck. No, not at all. Logan sits down with Shib and Jamie. Jamie is saying that he might not be the best person to reach out to the Pierces, and I think that's true. He apparently has this, you know... Reputation. Reputation of being kind of a, a deal maker, a shark, and I don't think that's really what... Uh, is going to ingratiate the Pierces. Yeah. So he pitches the idea of Shib talking to them. Yeah, and apparently kind of rather pointedly wanted her there at this lunch too so that they could pitch yes. the tricks of Logan. So everyone's saying Shiva needs to be on this. Shiv is our way out of this. We've got to have Shiv. This is a hell of a potential end for Shiv. It's not the one she wants, but everyone's coming on their knees saying, you got to be here for this. This is our ticket. And well, I think I mean, she's finally starting to get it a little bit, too. Or at least yeah. accept it. It's not what she wants, but it's a potential. I think, I think you're right. But you say it's not, it's not coming in the way that she wants. I mean, the way she wants is to just be handed the keys and everybody get out of the way, which is completely unrealistic. This is actually a really good moment for her to shine, and she resists it all the way. I mean, she up, we're at, what, 40 minutes into the episode now. She's not agreed to help at all. Now, she does agree to talk to, to Rhea as a result of this conversation, but not before Logan vomits on the floor. Yeah, and it's, again, further evidence that, as you said, Logan's not well. That the stress from making this deal happen in the first place was already running him ragged, and now with this added on top of things, 
this is a man that is increasingly in poor health from what's what's being put upon him. Yeah, why do you think he threw up there? Stress. Sheer just, okay. sheer just damn stress about everything that's going on. And I might be responding the same way. This is all a hell of a lot to go on upon what was already a difficult situation. Yep, agreed. Shib then does go to meet Rhea in a, some secluded cabin way away from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Shib tries to minimize the piece. She says something along the lines of, uh, you know how these things are, Rhea, I don't actually. And they do a weird little tango before Shib finally cuts through the bullshit and points out that despite the piece... Reyes still wants this deal to happen. Yeah. Reyes says, well, you know me. I'm easy come, easy go. <laughs> Whoa. Hmm. So, it's, it, again, it's, it's more of the writers showing us that Rhea is not necessarily just on Team Pierce. Mm, no. Rhea's on and, Team Rhea. And part of what Shib and Rhea are doing here is game planning how best to deal with Nan. And Rhea says, well, this panel, Nan is going to it. So the Roy family apparently has a panel. And you need to be on it, ship. And she's like, no, I haven't been briefed. She says, yeah. Yeah, you still need to go. And really is pointed about it. Really doesn't give her much of an option. Basically, like, look, if Nan's there, the only way it plays is if you're on the damn panel. And she tells her this like four times. So Shiv just keeps saying, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not prepared. It's like, well, can you get prepared? Yes. <laughs> there is a funny line here where... Ship says, where is everybody else's head at? And Rhea says, well, some of the cousins are still reading, which is surprising because they have views on the new Jonathan Franzen three days before it fucking hits the shelf. <laughs> Such an on-brand line for, you know, like liberal New York City people. Yeah. And Rhea really doesn't, she's not hiding, well, she's hiding probably her own motivations or her own intentions, but at least with respect to Nan, she's just saying very directly that you lose her, you lose everything. That's all this is. And the only way this happens is if you're in front of it right now. And I, she, she kind of gives advice to Shiv here at the end that we've been kind of trying to give her the, that the entire episode is that all I would say is that there's a time to accumulate capital and there's a time to spend it. But, hey, whatever. My dad worked in an asbestos plant. So it's all gravy, right? <laughs> good, good advice here from Rhea. Good advice from Rhea is just that you have an opportunity beyond compare right now. They yep. will be beholden to you in a way you could have never had but for this. Seize it now. Absolutely. This is um, your shot. And she does take that advice. We cut to Roman getting briefed and she walks in. She says she's willing to do the panel. Like nine minutes before it's about to happen. And she doesn't say why. Nope. She doesn't say, Reyes said I need to be there. This is Nan. Nan needs to see me do this. This is the way to make this happen. If she'd said that, she gets the panel right away. Yeah. But she's not willing to give that up. She's not willing to say there's any reason but I can do it, and everyone should respect that I can do it, and not it wants to hide the inf her inside. Uh, it's not even inside information. Her dad knows she met with Rhea, but she's not saying where she got it from. No, I mean I think this is yet another example of Shib just not wanting to look like someone told her what to do. Yeah. There's a definite element of... It's my idea. Fire. Yeah, I, I, I'm deciding to do this on my own. And it's something that everyone agreed about two hours ago. But yeah, of course, she should do it. But now, nine minutes before, it's like, you said you hadn't been briefed and that was your reason not to do it, and now you just want to go on the stage and wing it and you're not telling us why? Well, I'm sure Logan pieced together and had something to do with that conversation. Because to your point, he did know she was meeting with uh, right. with Rhea. Um, but Kendall kind of pushes back, and Shiv has a good line here. Oh, okay, fine. 
So send out the two cover stars for Toxic Male Monthly. And uh, why don't we get Ted Bundy up there? Make it a three-way. And it's a fun line, yeah. And yet they debated out and eventually, with a variety of fun lines, uh, Logan eventually just kind of holds three fingers in the air and his decision is made. Yep. Cut to Tom. Apparently Tom is talking before the panel and he truly sounds like an idiot. I like that Roman can't even refer to him as, uh, as um, Shiv's husband. Just like, hey, Shiv, your boyfriend's really fucking up. Yeah, the, the the back and forth here. And this is funny because he's Roman is accurately calling out Tom for being awful at this. Also, yet again, another weird scene between Roman and Shiv where they kind of get sexual with each other. Fucking strange. <laughs> Roman starts it. Your boyfriend's really sucking ass out there. Uh, Kendall, hey, you too. Uh, hey, Kendall's trying to be the adult throughout this whole conversation. It's just not working. Shib says, hey, I'm sitting on the right when you're out there. Roman, you know I can see your bra through your sweater. Shib, your dick's hanging out. Kendall, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's such a weird relationship. Very, very strange. Tom ends it with, we here for you. Now, people start laughing, which you pointed out earlier in the in the. Yeah, but we cut, we cut to we cut to Greg, and the woman behind him just collapses in laughter behind Greg as this as this is going on. Because this, this, yeah, they're laughing, and I have a theory about why they're laughing. It's because if you look at what's actually on the screen, it's we h e r e for you. Oh God! So oh, they God. didn't even, didn't even get it right. That. Yeah, so they, they're <laughs> they probably the audience is probably thinking this is a typo that it should be we are here for you. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's we here for you. They didn't even get the here right. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fucking uh, I didn't, even, I didn't even notice that. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so people seem to think it's a typo, but not the kind that it really is. Yeah. Logan gets seated for the panel. He is laser focused on if Nan is there. Nan does come in a little late. And the panel starts, and the moderator points out that Shib doesn't do many of these things. She says, no, I'm hard to get. Kendall, a little self-effacing humor here. I'm exceedingly easy to get. Mm-hmm. Laugh from the room. Yeah, Fun pretty laugh. good, pretty good. The moderator immediately asks about the piece, which, I mean, you need to. Get that yeah. get that on the table immediately. Kendall toes the line. I think he probably is reciting what he'd been prepped to say. Mm-hmm. Shib tries to clean it up and points out that this type of stuff is happening everywhere, and that's abhorrent. And she does it with this high-minded language, very reminiscent of somebody who writes political speeches. Mm-hmm. Kendall jumps in, he, uh, and she suggests that he's trying to calm her down. Kendall says he isn't. Uh, but he does mention that it happened a long time ago, which Shib, I think, should have let stay. But she immediately addresses it and says, well, if that's true, it still doesn't mean you should just condemn and move on. Which, said, well, that's exactly you... <laughs> what you just called for 10 minutes ago. Exactly. What the hell's wrong with this lady? <laughs> she, what? she said to do that. Yeah, because her goal in this conversation is not necessarily to win for her family. It's to win against Kendall. Yep. Um, matter, matter, fact, have, matter of fact, in some ways, her goal for this conversation is to win against her family. She's trying to frame herself as different, separate, and better. And which she continues to a certain we see degree. This all the time. Exactly, Spencer. We see this all the time. Remember the, the dinner party last episode where mm-hmm. Roman was out on a limb making up a fake book? Oh, yeah. And she just kept poking and prodding him? It's like she never, she doesn't really seem to grasp the idea that they're all on the same team. No, Shiv seems to see the world of like there's a finite amount of success and it's shared between people. And I can only get mine if you go down. That's there's no shared prosperity. No shared prosperity. It's I can only succeed to the degree that you collapse and I take what's yours. And it it makes for a very weird exchange on 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 stage of where both Shiv and Kindle deliver effective points. 
Mm-hmm. But Shiv's consistently doing hers as if they're in response to Kendall's points. With Kendall trying to then dress it up as, oh, okay, I wouldn't, not that word, but, you know, we're on the same page, but totally not that word. And Roman every now and then is just piping in with really weird kind of, what does Roman say in the course of this conversation to try to be helpful? It's just like, yeah, oh. Roman says, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll do what everyone wants. <laughs> <laughs> and it, just Kendall's determined, like, oh, God damn it. Why am I on stage with these two people? You fucking idiot. What's wrong with you, Robert? Uh, and then we end with this exchange. Oh, God. This which exchange. Is, it's not quite Shib saying, uh, Dad, just tell him it's me what? at the dinner table with Pierce. But it's pretty bad. Well, it's an interesting exchange because it's in some ways a very effective exchange for her, independent from the company, but a death knell for her within the company. Yeah. So she says, you know, it's it's about being completely unimpeachable. And sometimes company develop companies develop bad habits. And you need fresh eyes, clean hands, and new ideas to address those. Kendall, yeah, I mean, that's uh, the great thing about a company that's structured like ours. We can do that while retaining core values. Still you know, working together. Still manage working together. change. Shib, he's good, right? He's great. I think I'm a little more aggressive. Sometimes I think you just need a good old-fashioned dinosaur cull, which is a... Oh. Everyone in the room... Yeah, exactly. Nan has a look of shock. Logan looks pissed. Kendall and Roman don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it, immediately the moderator calls her out and says, well, <laughs> who's dinosaurs in your sights? Yeah. And she does recover a little bit. She says, I wouldn't go after my dad. Um, <laughs> other people do that. I think a shot at Kendall. Fun moment. Good laugh. But the damage is done. That's just like, oh God, there's another one going after him. Mm-hmm. So after the panel, they're in the back talking about how it went. And Tom seems to think that Shib did a good job. I don't know if he really thinks that, but good God, I hope he doesn't. I mean, from a certain perspective, for a work in the room, she did well. She resonated pretty well with the audience. But she did not do well for the company. And I don't know if that was her objective. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I think that there's a back and forth here with Shib and Tom where Shib, feeling good. You know, she just won the room. Says, you know what, Tom? Hell with it. You can have sex with that lady if you want to. Yeah, I'm in a position of power. I can dole it out to yeah. you. Because mm-hmm. it's my decision. And I'm giving it to you because I am a gracious God. Yeah. And she hey. says something along the lines of, you know, I wanted to... When I saw you talking to her, I wanted to go up and say, hey, back off. He's mine. And Tom, I think, has a very, very honest moment with her and says, you should have said it. I would have loved to see that. I think he really would have loved to see that. I think you really, really would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. Uh, but her and her moment of pride, her moment of hubris, her moment of power, the Furies descend in the form of her entire family. And then we go into the scene that is really the crescendo of the episode. And it's Logan and Marsha walk in. Marsha starts things off. It was too much, Siobhan. Dinosaurs? And then Roman, oh, yeah, it was over the line. Or no, Kendall says, yeah, it was over the line. Mm-hmm. Ship went over the line. Shib, oh, I think it's pretty clear that I was talking about oh, no. Roman cuts her off. Oh, no, it was clear. Yeah, you tortured the old dinosaur. You barbecued him live, huh? And then Logan Whack. backhands hits Roman in the hard, mouth. Hard, hard. And very interesting moment here. Kendall doesn't hesitate, doesn't miss a beat, jumps between the two of them, points in Logan's face and says, no, you don't fucking touch him. Now, I'll tell you what I thought in the scene you tell me what you think when kendall had that response it wasn't shock it wasn't surprise it was 
oh, I know what to do. I have to get in his face and tell him not to hit Roman made me think this has happened many times before. And it's weird. I, I did not think that was how the relationship kind of worked, but yeah, his reaction here is purely, it's almost like purely instinctual. That This is a conditioned kind of protective yep. response of where immediately yelling right in his face, right up at him, he says, you don't fucking touch him. Yeah. And then goes to protect his brother. And so we've not seen that kind of response from the two of them before. And it was really interesting to see that play out of where throughout most of this, pretty much the entire season, Kendall has been very, you know, cowed by Logan. Yes. Whenever he wants, just submitting to his will. In this moment, he's directly up front, power, anger, protective brother, confronting his dad on this. Yep. Telling him off aggressively and just leaves his dad off to go in his own way as he's down there protecting his brother. We've never seen that between the two of them. It's a powerful moment to see played out. Like yeah, you said, it's got implications about their past relationship. I've never pondered. Yeah, it made me think that it's happened before. And it was also sort of, at the same time, de horribly depressing and heartwarming. Yeah. In yeah. the sense that it's horribly yeah. depressing because you get this sense that this is not particularly shocking to Kendall. Or Roman, for that matter. Roman just goes, yeah, I'm fine, I'm whatever. And he just walks off. Heartwarming, though, in the sense that Kendall completely owes everything to his dad at this point. I mean, like, yeah. he, his dad has the ultimate amount of leverage over him with the whole situation with the Chappaquiddick thing. And he doesn't hesitate to, in front of everybody, yell and direct him not to touch Roman. And I, I thought that was a bit heartwarming. And I think it showed that Kendall and Roman are never going to have the prototypical brother-brother close relationship. But I do think there is a love there that kind of came out in the scene. No, it, and it's, again, it's a weird thing to say about this show because all of these people are broken, toxic individuals. But awful people. Kendall's kind of still the heart. Yeah. That he strikes me as one of the few people that seems like there's a hope for being a good person under there somewhere. And we see that freight out a lot. And yeah, it just makes this makes for, like you said, it's perfectly described. It's an even mix of tragic and heartwarming in terms of what we get out of this scene. I mean, previously, with how everybody, re I mean, it's, with how everyone reacted when um, uh, Logan struck Kendall's son back in season one, everyone was shocked. But everyone Kendall, just kind of pulled away. Kendall yeah. did jump in and put a finger in his face and said, don't touch him. He did. He did do that. And we kind of wrote that off. The, I wrote that off the time as being a, like a one-time thing. Everyone was so surprised by it. But now, the exact same response, the exact same media going and protective. Kendall's had to do this before, and that's fucked up. And I got to think about that. That is a really good point. And I, I should have had that parallel, but I actually didn't think about that Thanksgiving scene. But you're right. He's done the same thing before to a child. And Kendall had the same exact reaction. It... There's a lot to unpack we get out of this very brief moment, and it makes for very powerful television. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, we cut to a very strange scene, which is apparently at the concluding dinner of this weekend, there is a roast. I'm with Marcia. Why the fuck would you do this? Why? At this event? At this kind of event, you're doing that shit? No. At this moment for the yeah. boys, too. Why would and of course good, good comic that he is he immediately just cuts to the bone right he says, oh we got the Roys what up guys ahoy there permission to never fucking board <laughs> it, it, it's a funny routine it's working the room well but why are the Roys even Marcia directly calls it out before he even really gets into it why the hell are we even here right now yeah absolutely um, 
really funny. Uh, this guy's an actual comedian too, which you can kind of Who? tease out. Who is it? Uh, his name as listed is Zell Simmons, but I believe his actual name is Nori Davis, N-O-R-E Davis, and he is an actual stand-up comedian. I'll check him out. It's a funny routine from what we saw of it so far. Yeah, I hit a couple more highlights. I shouldn't even be joking about them like that because they're in the midst of a hands-on investigation. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And Man, someone's going to make a sale to Waystar? Oh. Hey, I think that's great. That's like the Hindenburg going down. And they're like, yeah, hydrogen blimps. Sign me up. That's the future, baby. And that was enough for Nan. Nan gets up and leaves. Yeah, Nan walks out of the room and Logan's after that. Yeah, and he follows Nan and Rhea follows as well. Nan points that out and says, oh, Logan and Rhea, of course. Mm-hmm. Nan says she's out. She said she had a call with the family that morning and that on a number of topics. But they left the decision on the acquisition of selling to Waystar in her hands, and she's out. And Rhea jumps in, clearly not knowing about the call. Nan checks her by saying, hey, how many times have you talked to Logan without my knowledge? She even points out a specific date that she met with Logan. Exactly. So Rhea thought she was being pretty clever here. Nan was more read into the situation than we were probably originally let to believe. Mm-hmm. And if you're Nan, you have to act the way she does here. I mean, regardless of the news, whatever else, the moment you realize that your most trusted advisor is playing both sides, you stop and you back away. You can't be involved in this anymore until you know what the what has occurred. You have to have a fresh set of eyes on this. You have to have an independent viewpoint. You cannot be involved in this deal anymore when you're not sure that your most trusted means and source of advice has been playing both teams for her own interests. you got to back away. Plus, also, crews, women dead. You know, the other stuff, too. Yeah, completely agree. And Nan just basically says, hey, it's over. I'm not doing this. And she storms off. Uh, Logan, on brand, bellows. You turn this down and you're fucking your whole family. And she says, oh, I think my family will be just fine, but thank you for your concern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you notice that Nan has weird little like ways to not cuss? Oh, yeah. Like she says, instead of horse shit, she says horse potatoes. Oh, but yeah, this is very blue blood. This is very gentry in terms of how she goes about it. There's de- rules of decorum about this that Logan, being a very much Nova Rich, does not give a fuck about. No, not at all. She also says um, at the table when, she, when she's supposed to be having breakfast, but the prices are too high with Logan and Kendall, she says, we all need a little less sunshine and vinegar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all know what you're actually saying. I mean, come on. But sure, yeah, keep up the rules. Yeah, absolutely. And she gets in the car and she heads off. And Logan, showing just how actually desperate he is, literally follows the car screaming, telling her to stop because he mm-hmm. wants to continue talking about the issue. And we end the episode. Good God, was this a ringer of an episode. Yeah, it was. Do you have any... Any concluding thoughts? Uh, anything to wrap it up? I mean, I've personally felt like this was an episode where, you know, they subverted your expectations with the Pierce deal. Mm-hmm. I think we were all supposed to think the Pierce deal was done. They blow it up. That makes for high drama. But they yeah. also give you a runway for the rest of the season, which is this scandal with Cruises. Oh, yeah. And it kind of returns us back to, you know, even before they were an episode like one of this season of where now everything's unstable again. We don't know where everyone's going to go or what everyone's going to do. We don't know if Waystar's going to survive and Roy, and Roy control. We have no clue what's going to happen from here. Other than Cruises will be first and foremost and hell. 
Uh, Stewie and Sandy's takeover bid now has legs. Assuming they even want to do it anymore. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, that is the end of the recap. Fun episode. Another episode where the family was traveling. Uh, it shows HBO is willing to pump some money into this show. But mm-hmm. let's go to our segments. We start our segments with Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. Uh, don't have much here. Uh, I... <laughs> I'm just going to go with uh, just an obvious point that I feel like our listeners need to understand uh, in case this was uh, coming a bit of a surprise for you, but uh, don't hit your kids. Don't, don't, don't backhand your kids. Particularly don't backhand the kid that just had an offhand line about the other kid that actually pissed you off. Don't hit anybody. Just, just don't do that. There, no there are, with the hitting of the kids. No with the hitting of the kids. There are rules. There are laws. There are standards of decorum. I mean, no, just, just don't do that. I, I feel like I've you know, offered an important message to our listeners here today. You know what's so funny is I have these bits that I do with you, which you know of. So with your relationship advice at the episode, one thing you've kind of screwed me up with in previous episodes is you took it more seriously than I thought. Yeah. And then I would try to conclude it with some little like witty little sentence that kind of like bundles it all together in something kind of absurd. Yeah. Didn't give me a chance this week. You just swerved. You gave me a swerve. You said, Don't hit your kids, period. <laughs> On, yeah, come, yeah, give yeah, us a little on, witty Lee. on that, man. Yeah, go ahead. Shorten that up if you want. <laughs> you know, I like to keep you guessing. Sometimes I deliver a five-minute monologue that comes from the heart, from my own personal place of pain and wisdom. Other times, you know, hitting kids kind of bad. Don't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's cut to Roman line of the episode. Uh, we got some. We got some pretty good ones here. Even though he wasn't really first and foremost from most of the show. Okay, do you want to give us a couple examples? A uh, c- couple examples I'll do, go out. Uh, okay, I like his initial line about, uh, hey, nice vest, warm gams. It's so puffy. Is it, is it stuffed with your hopes and dreams? Oh, wow, <laughs> hiking boots. They're pristine. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so mean. It's, it's just immediately walking in and just cutting a person. That's how Roman do. Schoolyard. Uh, his line immediately follows up, all right, all rise for Pope Big Dick. It's just hilarious. Uh, and then I just copied and pasted basically the entirety of his exchange in Jerry's room because there are so many wonderful Roman lines that are occurring in there. Not just, even his initial description of her is it, but you know how you're so efficient and good at your job? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but also sort of like invisible, like wallpaper, like, like a boring old sort of nothing. Like a competent, kind of clever filing cabinet that everyone seems content to have around. It's just like, he's so trying funny. to compliment her right now, but it's just not in him. He can't go, he can't, I don't even think he understands how insulting that is, that what he just said. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I think Jerry also knows he doesn't know that. Yeah, Jerry knows And she doesn't take well offense. Enough. Yeah. He's just like, okay, all right, fine. Yeah, um, Showed by her reaction at the end of, this, end of this conversation. It's a weird conversation that he presents to her, but by the end, she's just beaming, smiling at it. Any others before I award Roman line of the episode? No, that's my favorite, but I'm still offering Tom's, you know, we, you don't really hear much about syphilis these days. It's very much the, the uh, MySpace of STDs. Just such a funny line. Very funny line. This week, Roman line of the episode. Spencer, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. It's minimalist, but I think it actually can be the title of the episode. Greg, what happened? True. I forgot about that line. That is such a funny, wonderful line. That's it's, the question we're all yeah. asking. It's funny, and it's an important line to hit Greg with because we don't. Hell, I don't know if next season he's going to be doing crank with fucking some guy with a wolf shirt. 
<laughs> he could go down the Kindle path quickly here. So it's a good line, funny line, but also a good line between the two characters. I also think it's a could kind of put a bow tie on this episode. Mm-hmm. The sort of what happened. What happened? It all went to shit real quick. Oh, yeah. And it also raises some fun questions. We previously had, yeah, I love Tom's line back in the bachelor parties. Oh, Greg, you coke whore. It's like, is this now a regular thing from Greg? I mean, he's walking into the bathroom looking for cocaine. So yeah. What degree do we know Greg in his off time now? I think he does a little cocaine. Doing the old right. cocaine, as he would say. Yeah, the old <laughs> cocaine. Okay. All right. Now no, we get to probably the toughest Roy of the episode we've had. We got to talk this out. Doing this podcast. Yeah, we do because I I got nothing here for you, Spencer. Let's let's assess. Let's for for one. Let's narrow who our options are. Let's limit this to Roy's and immediate family the way we usually do. Nobody else other than that. Uh, no Jerry. No Frank. None of the, none of the outside players. Yeah, we're strictly going to do Roy. Okay. Uh, do we okay. want to include Wamsgams and Greg in there? I mean, they're kind of Roy's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have to include them. They're fine. Okay, then let's go from top to bottom and see and see where we end up. Okay. Logan? Logan? No. Biggest loser of the episode. Gotta be. Biggest loser, losing episode for Logan in the history of the show. He's this is the man who had a any, stroke. Yeah, and the man had a stroke in episode one. But this is the worst one for him, I think. I mean, because <laughs> everything blew up. I mean, you have the, scan, the cruise scandal hit. He also completely lost control of the Pierce acquisition. And then that means now the Stewie Sandy acquisition is back on the table. On top of all of that, the proud man that he is, he's throwing up on the dining room floor in front of all of these power players. Really rough look for Logan. Yeah, and at the end of the episode, chasing a limousine, yelling after it. It's like, Mm. we've never seen him this week. And need I remind, this weak or broken or messed up. And need I remind you, this is the guy who grabbed Ship's hand and put it on. Sorry, just to reference it again. Oh, my God. Three times. Three times. I didn't think you could work it in three times. I tried. tried. I had to get it a third time. Uh, So, yeah, obviously, this is his lowest moment ever. And we saw him near dead episode one. Yeah. But I I agree with you. I think this is the lowest moment. Can't be Logan. Let's go to Kendall. I think Kendall had a solid episode, but I also think he was put in the backseat a little bit. I, I, I think Kendall survives this episode kind of, sort of, okay, just in the sense he wasn't in the direct limelight of it. He did, he made a, I don't even necessarily say, necessarily say he made too many mistakes or anything. Like, his plan for strong-arming the news news company didn't go well, but it was a viable option. They had to roll the dice and pick in something. And the dead basically went with both plans, and both plans didn't work. They were just going to run this. Right. So Kendall may so be Kendall an op- maybe viable option. Could be an option as a sort of like well, sort of do no harm philosophy. Okay. Shib, I don't think this was a very strong episode from her. I think she continued to alienate herself from Logan by not being willing to participate in all of the sort of you know efforts to clean up both of these major issues, which is the the cruise scandal and then the falling apart of the Pierce deal. And then she puts the cherry on top in the end of the episode with the I like to do a good old fashioned dinosaur call. Yeah, Shiv is again just such an interesting character where she's undoubtedly competent and intelligent yeah. in a lot of ways. She can do her, what job she's set for very well, but there's just such pride wrapped up in it. She gets in she gets in the way of herself. Um, I, the only way I can I mean she gives legitimately good advice that we see at the course of this episode. Some plans that may have worked better if they'd kind of pushed them, but. So much of it just seems to be angling for position and obviously jockeying for power rather than what Jerry is so good at, it looking like she's always trying to give good advice in a way that everybody can trust. Right. 
it also seems like at the end that it was, I mean, she worked the crowd pretty well. She had a right to be a certain degree of pride about the audience responded well to what she was saying in some ways. But the only way, if that's a strategy, it's hard to know from her whether she's thinking long-term or just responding to what's in front of her. Yeah. If it is a long-term strategy, the only way it works is if she's kind of assuming that nobody else is going to survive this. And that with everybody else falling apart, with everything else just going at the seams, I can then step in. Or they'll in some way need me because I'm the only choice that's available at that point. Once everybody else has been disgraced by this. And if that's a bet... Good God, is that a risky bet to make? But yeah. I don't, I don't know if she's even thinking that long term about this. I agree with you. Uh, I don't think she's thinking long term. I think everything for her is the immediate save face, and then what you talked about earlier in the episode. There can only be so much pie. I need to get as much pie as possible. Right, and then I can choose how to dole it out because I'm the one that's holding it all. So, exactly. So, so I, I say no to Shib. No to Shib. I, 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 don't th- I think she's better off than Logan over the course of this, but still no. Um, and you know I love to give Greg honorable mention, but the suggestion that he might be a little bit into too into cocaine that's is really now. the primary thing he does other than cooking up We Here For You. Uh, I'm not sure it's a strong Greg episode. <laughs> no, no. I mean, he had some good moments of assistance Tom early, but We Here For You is a rough tagline, particularly since he apparently didn't get the PowerPoint presentation changed. And even better, like me, didn't notice that it was spelled wrong because he's just nodding and clapping in response to it. Um, and then Not also, a good look. Rick was drug use. Yeah, all this is not a great moment for Gregory. I We had hopes from him. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to you, Gregory. That's right. That's what the yeah. man wants. Not a good one from him. Tom, absolutely not. Jesus, um, no. You just, I mean, he looked as bad as the panel was for the Roys. And as bad as it is that Logan was vomiting in this dining room. So there's a lot of, or even yelling at Nan, you know, out when she's leaving in the limousine. So there's a lot of bad optics for the Roy family. Mm-hmm. I would say the most absurd they looked was when he was on stage talking. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And... It was utterly stupid in so many ways, but I still don't know why they even, I still don't know why they even gave him a speech in the first place. Uh, but that's a good point. He's not he's not the speech type. <laughs> no, no, no. He's much better at executive level business than any kind of speechifying. Executive level business. <laughs> uh, but even more than that, of all of the people involved in this, he's the one who could most do criminal time. I mean, yeah, he because he, he did destroy documents, yeah, and and Molester is dead. Yeah, Molester's dead. He obviously would have gone down, but whatever else. But for the rest of them, they could they can insulate themselves. They can protect themselves to a certain degree. Tom's the clear intended fall guy. He was the one that was given the time bomb. He was the one that was asked to defuse it and then hide the parts. Yes. So if that ever comes out, Tom's going away. That's just yeah. what happens. And it also looks like. You know, Bill has actually covered himself, right? Because think about how careful he was in explaining the situation to Tom. He had oh, yeah. an air-gapped computer that he printed a piece of paper out on. I mean, he he has covered himself. So I do think Tom is, is in a... I mean, the, the Cruz scandal is going to be bad for everybody. Mm-hmm. Could be potentially acutely problematic for Tom. Right. And it's always a game of hot potato when it comes to this, too. And he's the one that's still there. Everybody else has successfully gotten away from the scene. He's the one still effectively holding it, metaphorically holding it. He's done what he could to get a few steps away from it, but he's still too close. He's going to get caught in this if if this goes much farther. Completely agree. Uh, That leaves Roman. All right, so I'm going to tell you, Roman is my vote for 
Roy of the episode. And that shows just how... Well, here's the thing. He was tapped to talk to Edward, and he did, and he clearly has created a line of communication there. He has now buddied up with and and created an alliance with Jerry, which Mm -hmm. Jerry seems like she's in on, which is smart, because Jerry's one of the most competent people in this entire operation. Mm -hmm. And he did just get smacked in the face by Logan. Now, on the surface, that might seem like a bad thing for him. I actually think it's good. Because I think that's going to give him a little bit of leverage over Logan in the coming episodes. That's yeah. That he's going to Logan is going to feel guilty about what he did. Everyone is going to feel bad for Roman, and now he's in a sympathetic position, whereas normally he's just sort of ignored. All right, these are all excellent points. I think I'm in agreement with you, though. It is still in spite of the fact that a he did just get smacked in the face by his dad and may have lost a tooth. Yeah, he did. Uh, and point Did he say something two. like, I'll just buy another one or something? Yeah, which is a hell of a rich person response to having a tooth knocked knocked loose in your jaw. <laughs> uh, and he's the guy who, on stage, his pithy comment was, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do what everybody wants. This is our winner. This That's is our winner. winner. That's the state of affairs for the Roy family after season two, episode six. Okay, I don't think we've ever had Roman as a winner of this show before. Uh, good on him. That shows how far the mighty have fallen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a win for Roman, but nobody feels good about anything. No, God, no. It, this is this is a rough. This is so rough. This show always succeeds, and surprisingly, it still catches me off guard. I'm surprised. That's kind of duplicative. Uh, that each week I can have my assumptions about. Okay, well they've wrapped this up. This is secure. This is the way they're going, and they can entirely just throw that out and be confident that nope. That's not what we're doing. Ha ha ha. We have our own direction and you can trust us to go with it. I'm in. I'm sold. I don't know what's coming other than my still lingering bet that somehow Kendall gets redemption or away from his family. But I don't know how that's going to play out. We'll have to see. Yeah. All right. Another good episode. A lot of movement here. We're racing toward the end. We've got episode 7, 8, 9, and 10 to finish up our review of Succession Season 2. And then we'll move on to something else. Which I guess we'll we'll talk about in the coming episodes. We got a plan. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Enjoyed it, Spencer. Talk to you later, man. See you.